0: Hey Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to another technically inclined episode of Unnatural.
1: If our listeners only knew the lengths we go to to get this podcast up and running...
0: <laughs> no really i mean like i feel like better help should sponsor us just because like it stresses me out every time ta- every time it does better help if you're out there if you're listening we would love a sponsorship we would love to
1: not partner. only does the technical side stress you out but then i on top of it stress you out yeah you do so it's like a, a double whammy right
0: yeah, there. <laughs> it is and i i don't appreciate it anymore
1: But it it shows our dedication to the craft here. So what do we have going on today?
0: Yeah. So today we are talking about what happened in the early morning hours of February 12th, 2010, when the body of a young woman was found wrapped in Christmas decorations and stuffed inside a garbage can in the parking lot of the Greensburg-Salem Middle School in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Authorities would later discover that the woman was brutally tortured for hours over the course of two days prior to her death, and the six people responsible are even more fucked up than anyone realized. This is the story of Jennifer Doherty and the Greensburg Six. Doherty was born November 8, 1979, to her parents Richard and Denise. She also had two sisters named Joy and Jamie, and somewhere over the course of her life, her mother remarried her stepfather Bobby, who also had a son from a previous relationship named Dave. Jennifer was intellectually disabled, which left her acting and thinking childlike even well into her adult years. I couldn't find an exact diagnosis for Jennifer, but throughout elementary, middle, and high school, she took special needs classes. She was described as having, quote, very poor judgment skills by her mother. And her mother also said that Jennifer was very easygoing. She liked to have fun, but she was too trusting. She made friends easily, and she also loved to sing and dance because of her disability, she was very trusting of strangers and she had a hard time recognizing social cues. She also had a hard time holding down a job. And her sister Joy said that she trusted everyone, even though, you know, we know. And that she was told like, Hey, listen, not everybody is a great person out there. Like you can't trust everybody. Not everybody is your friend, but she just kind of having that childlike mindset believed that nobody would hurt her everybody was a good person so she was very vulnerable
1: yeah that's why they show you all those videos when you're a kid growing up in school to you know not always trust strangers and stuff but
0: stranger danger
1: yeah if she had an intellectual disability that that's going to hamper that and that's going to probably lead you to be more trusting than you should
0: yeah yeah so, like, by the time she reached her adult years, it was said her mental capacity was in the like 12 to 14 year range. So, very impressionable, you know, vulnerable. You kind of believe you're invincible. Even, even like someone who's not disabled at that age, you know, you, you tend to be pretty trusting. Yeah. And naive. Jennifer lived with her mom and stepfather in Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania, which is about 20 miles away from where her body was eventually found in Greensburg. Uh, Just a week before she died, Jennifer was excited to be moving out of her mother's home and into her own apartment a short distance away. Um, Jennifer had previously lived on her own, but due to her difficulty keeping a job and her intellectual disability, Um, I believe she had been evicted from this previous apartment and had only been at her mom's house for a few weeks before she was killed. She did spend some time in some sort of shelter in order to qualify for reduced rent in this new apartment uh, that she was supposed to be moving into. And one of Jennifer's friends said that she loved to spend time at the local library and she would frequently visit that friend at their Um, apartment which was nearby the library then on monday february 8th 2010 jennifer's stepfather took her to the bus stop so she could go visit her quote-unquote new friends in greensburg and uh, she said she would be spending the night there because she had a doctor's appointment in the area the following day so that tuesday now nobody knew this at the time but that would be the last time anyone in her family would see her alive Her family recalled how over the weekend, Jennifer spent a lot of time on her phone talking to who she said were her new friends, Angela and Ricky. Angela Marinucci also knew Jennifer for many years, like she had known her a long time ago, and she was the one who introduced her to um, her boyfriend, Ricky. Jennifer said that she was going to spend the night at an apartment belonging to her friend Robert Cathcart and his roommate Peggy Miller's. Robert had been friends with Jennifer for a while and he and Peggy also knew Angela and Ricky. So there's a lot of people involved in this so like
1: I'm trying to keep track of the names.
0: <laughs> yeah. And later on I'll kind of explain how they're all connected and how they all eventually got involved in this. Got it.
1: How how old is Jennifer again at the time of her death? 30. Okay. Okay. Just trying to paint the picture in my head.
0: Jennifer was often in contact with her family. So when they didn't hear from her after she was dropped off at the bus stop on that Monday, they became concerned. They also didn't hear from her the next day following her doctor's appointment or anything so they're they're alarmed and they attempted to call Jennifer and they were really confused when they got to her voicemail greeting and it was no longer Jennifer's voice but the voice of two strangers who identified themselves as Melvin and Amber
1: I don't even know who Melvin and Amber are yet but how stupid are they oh my god I'm already I mean I'm I'm In my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, something happened to her. They took her phone and then they one of them just decided, hey, I'm going to keep this phone. I'll change the voicemail. Fucking
0: yeah, you will. We'll see that these these people are not smart people. Now, it obviously wouldn't be until later that Jennifer's family would learn the heartbreaking news that almost as soon as Jennifer entered her friend's apartment, things took a horrific turn. So let's kind of fast forward to Thursday, February 11th, around 6.30 a.m., when a man by the name of Daniel Grant returned to his work truck that he had left in the middle school parking lot overnight to avoid driving in a snowstorm. Uh, when he returned to his truck, he saw a large black garbage can jammed under his truck. And as he attempted to move it, he was surprised by how heavy it was. And as he was still like trying to maneuver this garbage can out from under his truck, the lid fell open and Daniel was smacked in the face by a very foul odor. And that's when he saw that inside the garbage was a human body. So he immediately calls 911, police arrive, and discover that the body of a young woman was stuffed head down in the garbage can and haphazardly covered with plastic bags. Christmas lights with like, it was just the string, like the bulbs had been removed, were wrapped around her wrists and her neck. Christmas garland bound her ankles together and a pair of jeans were also thrown um, in the can. The body would later be identified as 30-year-old Jennifer Doherty, and an autopsy would reveal that she had been stabbed 24 times in the chest and neck. She had died of blood loss. That was the official cause of death. Jennifer's parents heard that a body had been discovered, and they got in contact with authorities saying that, um, you know, their daughter was missing, and they were shortly after able to identify like officially identified the body as 30-year-old Jennifer Doherty, oh. which I can't even imagine what that was like.
1: Especially, you said it had been, a di- that this was the day after?
0: No, this is four days after. This four is Thursday. Four
1: days after. Oh, my God. So, they had already been looking her for her for so long, and probably your mind always jumps to the worst anyway, and then when that's yeah. confirmed, that's got to be tough for the parents.
0: Yeah. So Jennifer's parents told investigators how she had been planning on visiting her friends, Peggy and Robert, days before um, her body was found, and they hadn't heard from her since dropping her off at the bus station. Police found the apartment, and it was there they recovered a bloody metal crutch, a steak knife, and a plastic bag containing Jennifer's hair, along with some of her clothing that were all hidden in the attic. Blood spatter would also be found throughout the apartment, but it was concentrated in the bathroom. So, it sounds like they stumbled upon a pretty horrific crime scene, right? Yeah. But as I mentioned, this is called the Greenberg Six. So, there is a lot that led up to this attack. So let's go backwards a little bit and talk about who these people are, the weird ass relationships they have with each other, and just how Jennifer got involved with them in the first place.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because I'm still trying to figure out what the hell the motive would have been.
0: Yeah. So we're going to start with Robert Cathcart, who is the only person like, in this kind of circle of people who was not involved in the murder. And it was his apartment that she was going to be staying at. He lived with Peggy. Now, there's two Roberts involved with this. So, I'm going to refer to them as Good Robert and Bad Robert.
1: Okay, Gotcha.
0: Just to keep it easy. Yeah. So, Good Robert lived in the apartment, but he was wanting to move out. Now, he had met Jennifer several months prior at a group um, home program thing for mental health drug and alcohol treatment the two had become friends and it was through robert that jennifer met angela and it was through angela that she had met ricky so angela and ricky are dating now ricky is like in his 20s at this point in time and angela is 17 so
1: gross already yeah
0: ricky also had a wife and children
1: oh of course he fucking did This guy just keeps getting better and better.
0: Yeah. So Ricky and Robert were friends, and Ricky was going to move into this apartment that he also lived in with Peggy and her fiance, Bad Robert. Is this making sense? Yes. I'm kind of all over the place. I had a hard time writing it down. There's a lot of R's involved. So Ricky wanted to move in. Good Robert is like, There's fucking four people in this apartment. I don't want to. It's too much. It's too much. I got to get out. Mm -hmm. So, as I mentioned, Angela had visited Good Robert like a couple times over like the last several months. So, she kind of knew Peggy and she knew Bad Robert. And with Ricky being involved, like she kind of met him and met Angela. Um, But Good Robert said that Jennifer didn't really like Ricky. But others said that Ricky was actively trying to romance both Jennifer and his seventeen-year-old girlfriend Angela. Which, and
1: and his wife.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's, it honestly sounds like they were like separated, maybe. But because like the wife and kids don't really come up, that's just kind of yeah. an aside. I think I think they were probably headed for divorce. I mean, I hope so. Since he was dating a seventeen-year-old girl. Right. But This
1: guy should have been um, on Jerry Springer, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, and then this comes back later as a possible motive because several people said that Angela had planned to kill Jennifer several days before the attack even happened. Um, A friend of Ricky's testified that he was at the apartment outside having a cigarette with him and he heard Ricky talking to Jennifer on the phone, telling her that he loved her and he wanted to marry her, and Angela allegedly overheard this and said, quote, I'm going to kill that bitch. Now, over the next few days, Angela was allegedly texting Jennifer from Ricky's phone trying to get her to come to Greensburg. Now, Ricky, Angela, Peggy, and Bad Robert were there to pick her up from the bus station um, in Greensburg. And it's there that Jennifer also sees a girl named Amber and her boyfriend Melvin at the bus station.
1: The ones on the phone, voice message, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So, Amber... And Jennifer knew each other from a facility that she had been at to help people with mental disabilities. It sounds like Jennifer was kind of there as like like a uh, like a patient type thing, and Amber may have worked there. Amber was also very pregnant at the time, and Melvin and Ricky knew each other because they were both in county jail together years prior.
1: Were they were they into drugs? Do we know this I, or?
0: Kind of, maybe. I mean, several okay. of them. I'm
1: just surmising. Yeah,
0: several of them had like histories of drug abuse, um, and there are accusations of people being drugged here or there with like medications. But it's not, it's not like at the forefront of anything. So, um, all of these people end up being at the bus stop at the same time. Despite the fact, so Jennifer is talking with Amber at the bus stop and she had Jennifer allegedly told Amber that she planned to marry Ricky and Angela heard this and became visibly upset. And
1: she was the one who said, I'm going to kill that bitch, right?
0: Yeah. So Angela is Ricky's girlfriend. She's a 17 year old dating the married like 27 year old. So, Angela and Amber hadn't met each other before this day, is my understanding, but they became quick friends. So, Angela, Amber, and Melvin walked back to a nearby hotel that Amber and Melvin were supposed to be staying at for the night. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: um, Angela told Amber that. She and Ricky were getting married, not Ricky and Jennifer. And at some point, Angela calls Ricky and Amber allegedly heard her say, I hope you're not with that bitch because Jennifer was supposed to be going back to the apartment. Right. Mm -hmm. But Jennifer, so Jennifer was at the apartment. It sounds like maybe she dropped her stuff off, um, but then left for a while to go to the library. And while she was gone, Amber said, like later testified that Angela and Ricky were being intimate and holding hands when they all arrived back at the apartment. So now all of them are there and Jennifer eventually comes back. And according to Amber, Jennifer basically offers to have sex with Ricky and he declines and gets mad, but doesn't tell Angela who had left the room like she wasn't in the room when this allegedly happened. But Ricky later alleges that he had had sex with Jennifer earlier that day while Angela was gone at the hotel. Now, all seven of these people, so like the six fuckos and Jennifer spent the night at the apartment, so like Monday night, and then it's Tuesday where things begin to take a turn. So, if you remember, Jennifer was supposed to go to um, a doctor's appointment on Tuesday morning, um, but apparently she had decided not to go, and this upset Ricky and Melvin for some reason, which led to an argument, now, apparently for this appointment, Jennifer was supposed to be receiving some sort of medication. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, like there is some history of drug use. So maybe that's why they got upset. Like, like maybe they wanted to like just take advantage of her and like
1: take her drugs,
0: take her drugs. Who knows? Yeah, um,
1: yeah I'm sure they weren't upset for her own well-being.
0: <laughs> right
1: not like yeah. they were looking out for her or anything
0: they're like come on jen like you gotta go you gotta go to your doctor's appointment it's for your health no they don't fucking care yeah
1: i care about you but i also care about my 17 year old girlfriend and my wife
0: yeah totally makes sense so jennifer goes to take a shower and it's at this point that ricky calls angela who had left to tell her about jennifer propositioning him for sex like the day before now angela is pissed and she comes back and it's at that point where um things these people start to turn against jennifer so it sounds like
1: he's kind of instigating it too a little (laughs) bit
0: for sure so they all think that it would be funny to like play some play some little pranks on Jennifer and try to embarrass her while she was in the bathroom so you know what they do what to like embarrass her um they go through her purse. Take her money, which was like $10 in cash. She had some gift cards in there, and they took her phone, which is, I'm guessing this is probably where they changed her voicemail greeting. They also poured mouthwash, toothpaste, and nail polish all over her clothes and inside her purse. And then...
1: yeah, it's like, like this some high is not funny, ha shit. prank.
0: Um, yeah, and it's not like a funny ha ha prank no. to embarrass somebody. Like this is just straight being mean as fuck because you can. No. So Jennifer gets out of the shower and they convince her to go out and buy them cigarettes. And when she returns, they continue to make fun of her and they start throwing things at her until she becomes upset. And it's at that point, Melvin. Uh, apparently grabbed her by the shirt and threw her up against a wall and started to choke her until she started crying. So, it's around this point in time where Good Robert like either calls someone and is like, "Hey, I'm gonna come by and grab some stuff," um, but he said that he didn't see Jennifer in the apartment at all, and this is because they forced her to hide in the attic. So Robert didn't see her because they made her go hide. Good Robert. Um why didn't
1: they want Robert to see her because it was his place and he would be upset or
0: yeah, probably. like they I think they all knew that they were like actually friends
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he would probably like say something and you know they they were bullying her, so they probably didn't want her to tell him like, hey, these people okay. are being mean to me, you know. Um, So I think I think they they already definitely had an agenda, but I don't think that they had planned on full on murder just yet. Good Robert came back again later and needed some things out of the attic. um, But by this point, they had forced Jennifer into the bathroom and made her hide in there. And then when good Robert was leaving, he and Melvin and Ricky got into some sort of argument and fight outside of the apartment to the point where the police were called. And again, the police apparently had been inside the apartment and they didn't even, uh, they said that they didn't see Jennifer inside. So she was still hidden away. Now, like you gotta, you gotta like remember there's, there's six of these not mentally disabled people to Jennifer's one who yeah. is very naive and vulnerable and you know maybe maybe she does just think that all oh, the you know they're they're just goofing around and cuz she didn't really understand social cues right
1: well and she was in love with this guy too right so that that makes you do stupid things you
0: know yeah for sure so the police leave good robert leaves At this point, Angela and Amber corner Jennifer in the bathroom, and Angela asks her why she's trying to have sex with Ricky, and Jennifer said, I don't know, and Angela said, well, that's the wrong answer, and slammed her head into the wall, and from here, it just escalates and continues over the next 36 hours.
1: six hours.
0: Yeah, so they're basically just like keeping Jennifer locked in the bathroom and at one point four of the six did leave and Jennifer tried to escape but was stopped by Peggy and Bad Robert who called the other four and they quickly returned. So I'm going to go into the details right now about what actually happened to Jennifer. So if torture and sexual assault is not something you want to listen to, maybe skip ahead a couple minutes. Okay. Um, trigger warning. But, yeah, trigger warning. Um, so once all six were back inside the apartment, Jennifer was beaten with full pot bottles, a metal towel rack, a vacuum cleaner hose, and a crutch. There was also allegedly a screwdriver involved somehow. Um, she was forced to ingest laundry detergent, cooking oil, urine, and feces.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, who, was, who was all doing it? Was this all of them, or...?
0: So, allegedly, kind of the main ones involved were Angela, Melvin, and Ricky. Um I think Peggy and Bad Robert were kind of like bystanders and just watching, I think. I think they all participated in quote unquote like the little stuff like throwing right. stuff at her, hitting her.
1: Well, um, and even if they weren't participating, they were all complicit for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They were definitely complicit. She was also forced to ingest um, various medications, uh, like cooking spices and nail polish. They bound her hands together with the Christmas lights and shaved her head like very close to her scalp. Um, they dumped water on her and then they dumped um, like oatmeal, flakes on her and the cooking spices Um, they painted her face with nail polish at one point Jennifer you know told them that her eyes were burning and she was instructed to take a shower by Ricky because she smelled bad
1: well yeah she smells bad because you're fucking messing with her so much I mean Jesus this is this is like the ultimate herd mentality too like they're all getting off on it because they're all part of the group here
0: yeah so then tuesday night comes and goes you know they all sleep in the apartment you know jennifer is just bound naked in the bathroom just in there and then wednesday rolls around and a few of them had left again but like she was never left alone so like one or two of them were always at the apartment. Um, but the second time, like four of them left, Jennifer didn't try to escape. Um, I don't know if she even really could because she had been beaten so bad. Like yeah. they were beating her with all of those things. At one point, allegedly, Jennifer said that she was pregnant with Ricky's baby. So they were stomping on her stomach and kicking her. Um, and then at one point on Wednesday, She was stripped naked, bound and gagged with a sock. And Melvin, who remember is I think he's engaged to Amber, and Amber is very pregnant with Melvin's kid. But Melvin took her into uh, one of the bedrooms and raped her. Oh my! And Amber allegedly saw this. Like she opened the door, peeked through, saw it, and closed it because she would later testify that like she didn't want Melvin to know that she saw them.
1: Oh my God. This poor girl.
0: Yeah. So uh, then they decide that, you know, they're done with her and they're going to murder her, but they want it to look like a suicide. So they force her to write a suicide note, but it's like, after all of this beating and the shit yeah. you've done like how do you how how do you think you're going to make that look like a suicide?
1: You think she's going to co- really comply and plus I'm pretty sure these geniuses couldn't fucking pull off a murder and make it look like suicide. That's my guess. Wow, these people are fucking the worst, man.
0: For sure. The note that was eventually found in the apartment also read quote Mom, I hope you have a good day at work today, and I love you very much. Love, Jennifer.
1: That was the note, huh?
0: Yeah. So she wrote the note. They decide they're going to kill her. And Ricky hands Melvin a steak knife and says, you know what to do. So Melvin takes her into the bathroom. Amber's there as well. And Melvin says that he stabbed her three times, twice in the chest and once in the lungs. Um, but if you remember what I said, the autopsy, 24, 24 right? stab wounds. Yeah. But after being stabbed that many times, Jennifer was still alive. And Melvin said, quote, the bitch still ain't dead, end quote. And it was at that point where Ricky came in, took the knife and slit both of her wrists. And. Um, despite the fact that she had had all of these wounds and she was bleeding pretty profusely, she was still barely clinging to life. And it was at that point in time that Melvin and Ricky decided to strangle her by um, wrapping the Christmas lights around her neck and pulling the ends, which they described as a tug of war.
1: My God. I mean, this is some of the most brutal torture i've ever heard
0: yeah yeah and the autopsy or like the medical examiner said that she was likely um alive for all of this but she did eventually die um due to all of the blood loss which they said could have um taken anywhere from four to seven minutes
1: i hope she wasn't conscious like i hope
0: yeah yeah
1: that maybe she lost conscious or consciousness early on or something for her sake. That is just just awful. I can't even imagine what was going through her mind. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's horrific. It, I was. It took me a long time to even be able to write this down. Like as I was reading it. Yeah. Um, but now deceased and lying in the bathroom, the group realizes that the suicide thing probably wasn't so realistic. So they begin ways They they begin to basically brainstorm what to do.
1: Yeah. I'm sure with all the brain power in that room, they were going to devise a great plan.
0: Yeah. Between the six of them, they probably had maybe four functioning brain cells. No shit. Bad Robert suggests to put her body on some train tracks and just hope she gets run over. Angela suggested Burning her body in front of A church Amber suggested just Putting her in a car like Stealing a car putting her body inside And abandoning it and It's Ricky who ultimately decides To put her body in the garbage Can stolen from The neighbor and dumping her in That parking lot and like Shoving it under The work truck which Yeah It was, it was like the, the, the truck, Daniel's truck, if you remember from before, it was like clearly like a work truck. So obviously she's going to be found quickly. Uh So like I said, four functioning brain cells between the six of them. So, and then also this, uh, the middle school where her body was taken was a four minute walk from that apartment. Hmm. Now, allegedly, once they returned to the apartment, all six of them were still there and they were laughing about the whole thing. And allegedly, Angela remarked that obviously Ricky loved her more because he was willing to kill for her.
1: That's morbid. Jesus.
0: Yeah. Like these are the white trash of the white trash, honestly, except for Melvin. He's black. So then the next day when her body is found, they like hear about it and uh, Ricky is like, well, they found the body. Maybe we should not be present at the apartment. So they all leave. They're literally all like walking around town. And if you remember, like, Jennifer's parents knew where she was and knew who some of these people were. So it didn't take long for the police to pick all of them up. Yeah. And it wasn't long after they picked up where the, like, the confessions, like, they got to the police station and the confessions began almost immediately. <laughs> so, like, none of them even really tried to get away with it, which, I mean, I guess that's, that's really the only thing that they have going for them. In a
1: sense, that's that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. So all six of them were charged. The trials—they were each tried separately, too. Oh. Um, but Ricky's was especially controversial. Controversial because a lot of people, you know, they—you know—they all started like rolling on each other, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, it was them. They were the ringleader. I—I I barely had anything to do with it.
0: Yeah. I much. tried to stop it. Yeah, no, I don't think any of them tried to say that they stopped it, Um, but but like, like Peggy and bad Robert were like, we were not a part of it. We were just there. But like you, like you watched it all happen. You didn't say stop. You didn't try to help her. Like she tried to escape and you two were the ones that stopped her and called the other four to come back. Like, come on. Right. Yeah, that's even
1: more than being complicit.
0: Yeah. So Ricky's trial was kind of like the most controversial of all of them um, because he so he refused to admit that he was any sort of leader in this whole thing. Um, his mental capacity also uh, was kind of at the forefront of his trial because it, um, him, Amber, Angela and Melvin were all like um, death penalty cases Mm. they were going for the death penalty yeah um so um his kind of history uh became like a big talking point during the trial um because he so when ricky was little he was moved in and out of foster care um he was apparently treated for mental disorders as early as the age of four um he was severely abused and neglected um, before he was taken in by the Smyns family in North Huntington when he was 10 so he was uh like adopted I think um, they said that he had experimented with beer cocaine heroin and marijuana by the time he was six uh, when Jeez. he was eight he was diagnosed with PTSD and had been to um, no less than 103 therapy sessions by the time he was 10. Um, different psychologists, uh, had, or like testified that he he was diagnosed with seven different personalities and 15 total, uh, psychiatric disorders. Um, and he had a bit of a criminal history because as we mentioned, he and Melvin knew each other from County jail. Um, I think he was in jail at that point in time for like a burglary charge, Um, But he had broken into a neighbor's home and stole um, some knives, a guitar, money, bullets. And also in that same year, he was accused of sexually assaulting a woman in her basement. So all of this kind of brought into question whether he was like quote unquote mentally sound enough to be brought up on these charges and facing the death penalty. But that didn't go over at all with the jury or the judge because on February 28th, 2012, he was sentenced to death. Um, he appealed the sentence in 2017, but the judge upheld it. And he was supposed to be executed in July of 2017, but that was delayed. And it's, been delayed he hasn't been executed as far as i saw
1: really wow
0: melvin knight pleaded guilty to first and second degree murder kidnapping and conspiracy to commit murder and kidnapping on august 30th 2012 um, the jury deliberated for several hours before also deciding to sentence melvin knight to death Um, in september 2014 he appealed his sentence and his trial was delayed several times um, but his sentence was upheld in March of 2019 and then in November of 2020 he attempted to appeal his sentence again through the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania um, there were you know several his his main claim was quote the jurors acted with passion and prejudice and arbitrarily imposed the death penalty end quote but, uh.
1: This was unanimously
0: rejected by the judges. So um, his uh, death sentence is upheld. I mean, gee,
1: I wonder why they had prejudice. Maybe because you tortured and killed an innocent girl?
0: Right. Well, I mean, even uh, one of the judges... um, Here I have a quote. Um, The judge said... Following our thorough review of the record in this case, we conclude that the appellant's sentence of death was not the product of passion, prejudice, or any other arbitrary factor, but rather was fully supported by the evidence that Knight and his co-defendants held the intellectually disabled victim against her will for several days, during which time they continuously subjected her to a myriad of Uh, forms of physical and emotional torture, eventually stabbing her in the chest, slicing her throat and strangling her, end quote. So they were like, you obviously did all these things so obviously they're going to find you guilty and want to sentence you to death because you're a horrible, horrible person. Right. Now, Angela
1: It feels like from what you've told me that this might not even have happened had it not been for Angela. I mean, obviously they all played their part and they were all crazy and horrible people. But I mean, she was the one who initially said, I'm going to kill that bitch.
0: Yeah. And she's like, I mean, if what everybody said, what Amber is the big one who kind of testified and like testified against all of them. And I'll get to her kind of her story here in a minute. Um, but it's i mean i i think that angela and ricky were fucked up angela's 17 also not that that's an excuse but 17 year old girls when they're in love they're fucking crazy and when you're dating a piece of shit like ricky
1: it's only going to enhance that craziness
0: yeah so um on August 3rd, 2011, Angela was given a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole after she was found guilty of first degree murder. Now, because she was 17 at the time, she could not be eligible for the death penalty because she was still a minor. Yeah. Um She had her life without the possibility of parole sentence revoked in 2012 due to to um, some sort of Supreme Court rulings and uh, apparently she will be eligible for parole in 2070 but she'll be she'll be like in her 80s yeah, at that point right. in time so in on the off chance she does get paroled like she, there's not going to be much left for her out there if she even makes it right. um, to begin with so Amber, Who knows if
1: anything will be there by 2070
0: Right. Yeah. Um now Amber uh was sentenced to 40 to 80 years in prison after she pled guilty to third degree murder, kidnapping and conspiracy. She was going to receive uh the death penalty but she agreed to testify against um all of the others. So she kind of so like basically she took a plea deal to get the death penalty off the table. She had, you know, kind of tried to say that she was also mentally disabled, but then she did admit that she lied about it. Um, So... Yes, she was sentenced to 40 to 80. Um, Peggy was sentenced to 20 to 40 years for third-degree murder, plus 12 to 24 years for conspiracy to commit murder, and 3 to 10 for conspiracy to commit kidnapping. So she will be serving a total of 35 to 74 years. And then Bad Robert... Uh, will serve 20 to 40 years for third-degree murder, 7 to 20 for conspiracy to commit murder, and 3 to 10 for conspiracy to commit kidnapping, Which so he will get a grand total of 30 to 70
1: years. I mean, the only solace in this is, well, two things that I can think of that, you know, they apprehended, tried, convicted everybody involved with this absolutely horrible, horrible crime and two i gotta you know i'm not a spiritual person by any means but i i would garner to guess that there is a special special place in hell for all of these people
0: absolutely i mean even if even if you don't believe in like heaven and hell in a biblical sense like i believe that there is some sort of like punishment for people like that Yeah, Yeah. some sort of something. And I mean, like, even, you know, um, Jennifer's parents, you know, talked about how they were relieved that all of the people were apprehended and, you know, like they were shocked and horrified by everything that had happened to their daughter. And, um, her mom said that, like, her only regret was trying to force her daughter to be an adult and grow up. Um, Mm -hmm you know she wanted you know she wanted her daughter to like be successful and, like have a good life but i think she felt that like she pushed her too hard to be independent right.
1: um
0: but you know i don't think i don't think her wanting her daughter to be independent is why this happened like this happened because these no. people are awful people they took advantage of a vulnerable adult and now they're paying for it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and I hope her parents don't blame themselves, as often happens. Yeah, and things like I this mean, from from
0: from what I read, I don't think they, I don't think they like really, really blame themselves. In 2012, so something good kind of came out of this, I guess. Um, in 2012 or 2013. Um, A Pennsylvania state senator named Kim Ward proposed a law that would be named Jennifer's Law, which would make it illegal for someone to witness a violent crime um, and fail to report it to the police. So that failure to report the crime would be a third-degree misdemeanor.
1: As it should. Actually, it should be a felony yeah. to me, but
0: yeah. I. I think but so. Something's I mean, like, better it's, than like, nothing. Depending on the crime, I think it, it might depend on the crime. Like if you witness someone beat up someone else and you don't report it, like, okay, maybe that's a misdemeanor. But if you right. witness the murder and torture of a vulnerable adult, yeah, that should definitely be a felony. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So. Wow. Yeah. Thus concludes the horrific and sad and Stupid, stupid, unnecessary murder of Jennifer Daughtry.
1: We've been through so many different kinds of murder cases since we've been doing this for two years now. Mm-hmm. And the torture ones are always the worst to me. You know, I think back to that Sylvia Likens case where she yeah. was tortured for a long time by that family. Um, but this just in that whatever three day stretch or so that you talked about, it just seems it it's about as bad as it gets.
0: Yeah. Like the worst of it happened on like the Tuesday and Wednesday. And then her body was found on Thursday. And and it it, like it all started. It honestly sounds like it all started because she didn't go to the she didn't go to the doctor's appointment. And there was that weird love triangle.
1: Yeah, I, I, cause I, I was gonna ask you that. So, those were the two reasons for killing her. I, God, that just blows my mind.
0: Well, it blows my mind that six people participated and watched this happen. Because, like, looking in, looking into like their histories, like, yeah, like, we talked a little bit more in depth about Ricky. Um, and, uh, you know, Melvin had like a couple stints in jail for, you know, like burglary or whatever he was charged with. I, I will admit I didn't look too hard into that. Um, I mean, Angela said that she had suffered like a severe head injury when she was hit by a car when she' like a couple years prior when she was like 15. And, um, you know, uh, she was like. She had a psych eval, obviously, and, you know, um, she was diagnosed from what I found with, um, if I'm remembering right, she was just diagnosed with depression. Um, like, she did have some drug and alcohol issues, but, you know, and there was drugs kind of involved with all of these people. But, like, I didn't even really find anything about um, Peggy's history or Bad Robert's history history. That yeah. made them seem like really piece of shit people, but obviously it's, they are.
1: It just goes back to, I mean, hell, even when you're in middle school, that herd mentality is a very uh-huh. powerful, powerful thing. It can really influence yeah. others, and you don't want to look like you're the narc or you're the one that's, you know, not playing the game or whatever. So, everybody just kind of goes along with it. And it sounds like that's what happened here to the most extreme extent. Crazy.
0: Fucking wild. Yeah, it is. Well, on that note, come hang out with us on our social media.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do so. Yeah. And
0: you can find us on Instagram. Oh, sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say, you know, maybe they can think of maybe some other ulterior motives. Yeah, if you know anything
0: that we didn't talk about, let us know on Instagram at Unnatural the Podcast, Facebook, Unnatural the True Crime Podcast, or send us a Gmail the Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends, and we will talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, I'm working on... I've been working on a couple cases for a while, and one of the cases is kind of similar to this. It's been very confusing for me to kind of put it all into the story because there's like 20 different characters involved. And I'm like, okay, how can I write these notes out so it's not going to be super confusing for everybody? (laughs)
0: dude i mean like if anybody was really able to follow along with me on this journey with a bunch of people because i was even confusing myself a little bit here and there because I was actually how they're all googling. interconnected is
1: yeah i weird. was googling as you were talking about it just to kind of put faces with the names and stuff but yeah
0: well on that note we'll talk to you guys next week And always be sure that you make good choices.
1: And don't get got.
0: Bye. You tend to be pretty trusting.
1: I was naive until, I don't know, 35?
0: <laughs> Dude, I am still like really naive when it comes to some things. Like, I just.
1: Like, what? Men?
0: I don't know. Yes. <laughs> well, because like, here's the thing is like, I get, I, I come in contact with all these people who are love bombing and uh, you know, they're like, oh my God, like we went on this one date and I'm already falling in love with you. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. I am fucking amazing. I am following your logic here. <sighs> That's my problem.
1: <laughs> well, give it a couple years. You're not 35 yet. Maybe as like me, when you're 35, that'll go away.
0: Well, I mean I think it's already gone away because Then you I just, just become
1: wanna, completely bitter
0: I just don't want to talk to anybody Right now like I don't want to I don't want to be around people ever at all
1: You're talking to me
0: Well you don't count because I've <laughs> known you For a long time
1: I thought you were going to say something like I don't even want to be talking to you right now
0: I actually was nice did you see that
1: You were Did you hear Good that job.
0: listeners who don't understand our relationship That was a nice thing that I said And Melvin and Ricky knew each other because they were both in county jail together years prior.
1: They both probably had Daisy Pigel, too, I'm guessing.
0: Probably, And these people, like, if you look at them, like, their faces are so punchable. They probably have hairy assholes, too, because they're just gross. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You better put that in the bloopers at the end or I'll fucking kill you.